This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Good morning, Canada. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. I'm Adam Scully here in studio. Well, it's best of season for us on Golf Talk Canada, so Mark Bob and I will be taking some time off from our live shows and playing some best of specials for the next little while where we're going to take a look back at some of our favorite interviews, favorite moments from the year on Golf Talk Canada and recap some of the major storylines that happened during 2020 in the world of golf and what a crazy year it was both on and off the golf course. And that's where we're starting this week at the Masters. Dustin Johnson dominating five-shot victory picking up his second career major championship and that first green jacket. Looking forward to seeing what Dustin Johnson has in 2021. Well, right here, we're going to play our Masters Winners Weird and What Edition, where Mark Sacchino and I recap the good, the bad, and the ugly from Masters Week. And this time around, Mark had the tea. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. All right, Skulls, we teased this in uh, at the end of the last segment with Mike Weir, but my winners are the over 50s, and let's start with the over 60s. Bernard Longer. Uh, every year we wait. Is this the year Longer acts his age? And the answer is no, it's not. Mm-hmm. 63 years old, playing yep. a ballpark of this size. He shoots three under par. He beats Bryson DeChambeau. <laughs> Bryson Beats Bryson by one shot in the tournament and two shots head-to-head on Sunday in the same group. Beats Uh him by two shots with a closing round of 71. I mean, it is just unbelievable when you consider Bernard Longer that he's 63 years old. He's fought the putting yips three or four times in his career. He's never been the longest driver of the golf ball. The fact that he's still doing what he's doing is absolutely incredible. And then to, you know, piggyback that one... Uh What about our own Mike Weir? He makes the cut for the first time since 2014. Uh, Looks like a guy that belongs again. He told us he's healthy. He told us this was coming. Not a lot of people were like, "Eh, we're kind of doubtful. Mm -hmm. Can he bring it from the Champions Tour to a major on the big tour? He can. Yep. Like, well done, over 50s, over 60s, even lefty. Mickelson, he had a rough Saturday. But, I mean, for a long time there, Phil looked like he was going to contend in this Masters at 500 par. Adam, the old guys, one for the old guys. One for the old guys. You mentioned Mickelson there after two rounds. He's five under par, just four shots off the pace. And I'll get into Phil in my three, Doug, because his Saturday performances, (laughs) we was strange. But how about Bernhard Langer beating Bryson DeChambeau, as you mentioned? The odds for that would have been ludicrous going into the tournament. But Mike Weir... Awesome to see that, A, he's healthy, B, he's fit, and now he's, he's performing well. He's had some good finishes on, on PGA Tour champions, too, and it's great to see that hard work paying off for Mike Weir. That's yeah, awesome. and I think the silver lining in this for Canadian golf fans is uh, if you were hesitant about Mike Weir and what he was going to be able to achieve on the Champions Tour because in his late 40s, you know, he hasn't been uh, relevant at the PGA mm-hmm. Tour level, a lot of that mainly because of injury now with a healthy Mike Weir, I think cup half full now. I think we could see a couple of good two, three, four seasons out of Mike Weir on the Champions Tour. Yeah. Some victories, contending in majors on the Champions Tour. Well done, Mike Weir. Okay, my weird Adam, Bryson DeChambeau. Here we go. I mean, where do we start? <laughs> 
I mean, uh, the lost ball on three. That was awful luck. Yeah. Some yeah. of the worst luck possible. Uh, you know, three weeks of, of experimenting with a 48-inch driver to only the night before go back to a 45-inch driver. I mean, the over-rotation, the hand speed, the things you need to do to square up a 48-inch driver to then all of a sudden drop to 45 and then wonder why you're smothering it left (laughs) off the tee on a Thursday morning. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure this out. You know, I said it this morning on a a TSN radio hit. I said, you know, it's like Russell Crowe standing in front of a chalkboard with a beautiful mind. You're going to come up with a cure for a disease once in a while and a few times you're going to strike out. <laughs> this was a big strikeout, okay? His beautiful mind went sideways yep. and backed him out of this golf tournament. Now, I will say this. I'm not suggesting that if he never experimented with a 48-inch driver and he went with the 45, that he was going to beat Dustin Johnson this week. Highly unlikely that anyone was going to beat Dustin Johnson, Dustin Johnson mm-hmm. at any point this mm-hmm. week. But if he just stick to the game plan, if he had a stuck... And danced with who brought him to the ball, like he did at the U.S. Open. I think he gets off probably to a front nine on Thursday morning with a couple under par, eases his way into the Masters, and is probably somewhere in the top five or top ten in this golf tournament if he had just had a stuck to the game plan. Again, he needs the distractions. He needs the math yeah. equation. Ten over this divided by that equals, and it blew up in his face this time. Well, it sure did, and you know, even course management-wise, you think the Thursday morning, 13 going for it from the pine straw, the lie wasn't great, hitting it 15 yards long into the bushes, making a double bogey from there. And then there was what happened on Saturday morning when he said he wasn't feeling well, and, and hopefully he is feeling well, but he was saying his stomach wasn't right, he just wasn't feeling great. Well, Bryson, if you have seven protein shakes every day, <laughs> your, your stomach's not going to be right. That's just... Right. Yeah, And let's throw some anxiety and stress on top of it. And it manifests itself physically. And this is where we're at. And uh, he'll go back to the drawing board. And I guarantee you one thing, that when April rolls around, he'll be ready this time. And hopefully he won't be making uh, Wednesday night equipment changes. Because that is absolutely bizarre. bizarre. That's my weird. And my what this week. What what a back nine for Tiger Woods. And, uh, you know, we'll keep it narrow and then I'll go to you for bigger picture. But I mean, a ten, the ten on twelve. To me, if if Tiger's in contention, the ten on twelve is a disaster and a train wreck and a much bigger story this morning, because he's not in contention, because he has no chance of winning this golf tournament. The ten on twelve, it's it's almost a, a bonus because it kind of connects him to the Masters. Mm-hmm. Nicholas had a disaster on 12. Weisskopf had a disaster on 12. Spieth had a disaster on 12. Now Tiger's got his disaster on 12. And, you know, he followed it up with five birdies and six holes to show, it gives you a window into the competitive spirit, spirit uh, that is Tiger Woods. But I will say this, and, and this is what I want your, your opinion on, Adam, before I throw you the tee. The one thing that does concern me in all this, getting up at 3.15 in the morning on Friday to get ready to play golf, he was walking gingerly Mm -hmm. again. And when we came out of 2019, let's go back a year, November 2019, I had a lot less questions about Tiger Woods than I have in November of 2020. November of 2020 feels a lot more like November of 2017 or November of 2016. I'm riddled with questions. I have no idea where we go from here, and I have no idea if he'll be ready for April where, yeah. where are you on this? You know, it's sort of like 
you watch him play and and you, you wonder how much longer can he do this? And clearly, clearly on Saturday, he was he was stiff. Like it was clear he wasn't shaping it both ways. He was very ginger to pick the ball out of the hole. I, I'm really curious to see, you know, throughout last summer, after winning the Masters before Zozo, this was the Tiger that we saw, very mediocre, sort of shuffling around. I saw him firsthand at, at Royal Portrush mm-hmm. last year, and he looked like a man in pain. And then he has the minor knee surgery, plays Zozo incredibly well, is the best player at the President's Cup, in my opinion, anyway, by, yep. by, by he far. Was. Yes. By far. He was the best iron player in the world at yep. the President's Cup. And then and then we have this. So there are a lot of question marks surrounding Tiger Woods. What are we going to see at Torrey Pines when he comes back? He's going to have a couple if. months off. If. If. Yeah. I assume. I'm with you. you I assume you I'll presume. see him there. But then he, he, for all the years, his putter was probably his best club in the bag. And now because he's back, he can't practice as much. He tinkered with a longer putter. And he was putting great for the most part at the Masters until... You know, the start of the second round when he jammed a two-and-a-half-foot putt on three, four feet past the hole the other way. And so there's so many question marks. He continues to be the most intriguing figure in the game always of golf and always will be. And we hope he can have success for ratings, for everything, yeah. for the game of golf, for sport. But who knows? I'd also love to see him go out on a high note yeah. instead of limping out of the game, mm-hmm. so to mm-hmm. speak. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Okay, Adam, winner's weird on what, sir? The tea is now yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. So my winner this week is Cam Smith for four rounds in the 60s. And we discussed earlier in the show about this. But sort of the strange thing about this is you would think someone shooting four rounds in the 60s at Augusta, you would have presumed Dustin Johnson. Sure. But Bryson DeChambeau. That's, that's the beauty of of Augusta National, though, is that it can bring so many different players. We mentioned Bernhard Langer. He was averaging, what, 70 yards less off the tee than Bryson DeChambeau. He beats him by one. That's just the beauty of Augusta National. We saw it in a very different light this time around, in a light we'll probably never see it again on a on a public scale with no patrons. But uh, my winner, I guess, both Cam Smith and Augusta National for, for a pretty darn good week. Yeah, it's awesome. It's the Masters. It's why it's everybody's favorite day of the year. You know, we didn't get the drama this year that we normally get. Mm-hmm. But year in and year out, it is Super Bowl. Master Sunday is Super Bowl Sunday for anyone at all that remotely likes golf. Period. End of story. Okay, my weird this week. John Rahm. He's in contention. We spoke at length about John Rahm on Saturday morning. He was my pick. He was my he was pick your all pick. week. He was win. a great pick. Starts two over through three on Thursday. Fights back. He's tied for the lead. At one point, first, second, third in the world. All tied for the lead going into the third round. Gets to the eighth hole on Saturday in his third round. Mm-hmm. Cold top. You don't see a professional golfer cold top a fairway wood very often. Mm-hmm. We saw him hit a cold shank last year on the eighth hole as well, so maybe him and the eighth hole just don't mesh. But then it was what happened after the fact as well. It, 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 it compounded from it got there. Worse. It got worse. He tried to hit yeah. a punch shot, hits a tree that was probably about this wide, goes back into a bush. Apparently he had a meltdown after that wasn't shown on the telecast. But for John <laughs> Robb, I mean, what a what a weird way to play the eighth hole again it's he's had some weird well he was tied bounces. for the lead through two rounds like you yeah. mentioned yeah. and you know no transition in that three wood he was working on shortening his swing um and he felt that he was getting long if that's always, possible <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. and and that's his wheelhouse but the one thing you got to be careful about when you shorten your swing if you're out there listening or watching today and you're working on shortening your golf swing is uh you can be short but you can't be quick 
And if you're short and you don't give time for transition to complete your backswing to start your downswing, There's no chance. You got John Rahm uh, Coltop in a three wood. That's what it is, and uh, hard to watch. It, it's it's <laughs> mesmerizing. It's always crazy to see a professional golfer do something that the average Joe does all the time, especially a guy like John. I fought Rahm. with a three wood for three years. Uh, really? And I, I almost, and now I'm back in love with my, you know, I went for M5 to Sim. When they came out with the M5 three-wood, and I, I went to a very, very stiff, heavy three-wood shot. Yeah, yeah. And I fell back in love with my three-wood, and it's, you know, I have never looked back since. But I, I know what this, I know how this feels. Adam. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think we all do. <laughs> uh, and before we go to break, my what? Phil Mickelson. Okay. So after two rounds, like, he's in the mix. He's there. Yeah, he certainly and, is. 500 par. And he was confident. After that round, we played audio on our show on Saturday morning where he was saying, you know, I'm hitting the ball great. I'm driving it like a stallion. Those are his words. He was pounding the, that 47-inch drive. He was. He was hitting it well. But he said, I'm close to last in the field and putting. I'm just yes. not making anything. He was horrible. And you get to Saturday, fourth hole. He's got 15, 20 feet. Mm-hmm. His next putt, 77 feet left it. He hit it 77 feet past the hole. It might be. (laughs) Like, what? Is it the worst putt he's ever hit? That's got to be one of the worst putts I've ever seen him hit. I will say this. Mickelson never is boring, isn't he? He's never boring. But he also, on the third hole on Saturday, he had a three-footer at the most on the third hole and lipped it out aggressively. So, Phil and the flat stick, not so hot right now. This segment of GTC was brought to you by... SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them and you'll see why. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, how about the U.S. Open? What a dominating performance that was by Bryson DeChambeau to win by six shots. Absolutely obliterating the field. Really taking on wing foot in a way that we've really never seen before. Bombing gouge, hitting absolute bombs out there, 360, 70 yards right down the middle. But if he was missing the fairways, was missing the greens, his chipping and putting, just a surreal performance by Bryson DeChambeau. And he's not stopping there. He's trying to put on even more weight. He's trying to gain even more speed. He's posting Instagram photos, carrying the golf ball 403 yards. That is is ludicrous, but good for Bryson DeChambeau trying something different on a recent episode of Golf Talk Canada. Mark and Bob recap the recent U.S. Open where they discuss Bryson DeChambeau and the other contenders in the mix. All right, one week removed from the U.S. Open. Obviously, we had the Bryson conversation. We've talked Bryson to death, and and rightfully so. It might be in a historic win when we look back in a generation from now, and we might go, hey, that's the day. Uh, high school golfers decided they were hitting the gym instead of the range. We don't know what this is going to be. We could be overreacting, but it might be more significant than what we think. 
Okay, let's remove Bryson from the conversation, Bob. Uh, let's start with the cup half full. Who are the winners this week? Who are the guys that leave with momentum, that have building blocks, that said, you know, I didn't get the W, but, man, I took on a beast of a golf course. I leave with momentum. And I know that you've, you would add the USGA as an organization to your winner as well, and I, it would be hard to argue with that. Yeah, I mean, they did the best they could, and nobody's really talking about the course setup other than how do you defend. It's not like nothing that they did to monkey up the golf course. And that's, we had one person under par. That's right. That's right. Exactly oh. right. But I think there's some obvious winners. I think Matthew Wolf is an obvious winner because we didn't really know a ton about him beforehand, and he comes in second. He's now finished in the top four in every major he's ever played. Yeah, exactly. Both of them. Right, right, both of them. Uh, I, think, I think Will Zalatoris is a winner, and for those of you who don't know, he's a Corn Ferry Tour player who ended up uh, tied for sixth. He has had a just a whack of a year out uh, on the Corn Ferry Tour, and of course it comes like Taylor Pendrith uh, on a year when there's no promotion. Right. Um, you know, amongst the, I think Harris English kind of resurrected his game as well, showed that he's got some, some stuff in there after a year of kind of uh, misery, and uh, he's back, but... You know, those are the those are the ones that are maybe a little less obvious, or well, I guess Wolf is obvious, but some of but but English and Zelatoris might be a little less obvious. I don't know. What do you think? Well, before we get to uh, who are the losers, and and before maybe because I agree with your pick, so I just add a couple. I would just maybe add one or two names in there. But before I get to that, I've got to ask you a question about Louis Oosthuizen because Louis Oosthuizen he has a major. He's a 2010 Open champion, but he has a large bucket of top tens and top fives in major championship. Is this, a, is this, because this is another third, is this a positive for Louis Oosthuizen? Or is it another, hey, I had a chance to win and I, di- I did it. I am having a very hard time on where I put Louis Oosthuizen in this conversation. His rounds are interesting, right? He was 67-74, 68-73. So it's sort of up-down, up-down. And the knock against Louis has always been that he doesn't have that kind of killer instinct or that deep drive to kind of go out and get it. Mm-hmm. He's got second-place finishes in all four majors. He and DJ have the silver slam. Mm-hmm. And that's always, if I'm a golfer, that's something that's probably going to bother me to a certain extent. And yet, probably when you retire and you look back and you say, wow, those were great finishes. You came second in every major, as long as he has a major. Right. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting where to put him. I think, I think at his age, you know, he's not a young guy anymore. He's not a rookie. That's true. Third is not probably a bad finish for him at this point, although... It is, as you said, to your point, it's a missed opportunity. All right, I'm going to agree with you on, on on all your wins. I think, you know, Matt Wolf is obviously the no-brainer. We probably didn't give Matt enough credit in the rest of his game, kind of almost the way we look as a, as a country at Taylor Penrith, and, and Derek Ingram was, you know, trying to correct us into your story that you told last week uh, about going down there and doing, uh, doing a piece uh, on the guys. Um, I think that's a no-brainer. I think Harris English, to your point, a bit of a resurrection. Uh, Will Zalatoris, a no-brainer, considering the season he's having on, on the uh, Corn Ferry Tour, etc. I think uh, the only other name I might throw in there is Xander Shoffley. You know, I, I know it's not a win. I know he wants a win. But this is still a very young golfer who keeps proving to us that if it's a big event... If it's a deep field and it's a hard golf course, you should never overlook this guy. You know, he wins at East Lake, always performs at East Lake, tough golf course, always does well as a, well does well in majors. Look at his record in the U.S. Open. I think Xander, although it's not a victory, I'd say just proving again as to why he's always on our radar when this when this event rolls around. Um, all right, other side of that coin. Uh, there's obviously a few that missed the cut. Um, 
But for me, I'm going to stay away from the obvious. Phil Mickelson's 50 years old, okay? Phil's had a great career. If he pops up once in a while and does something, great on Phil. Tiger, well, we'll do, we could do a show on Tiger. So I'm going to leave Woods out of this conversation. A couple of guys that were really disappointing for me were Tommy Fleetwood, who's one of the favorites or one of the dark horse favorites, if that makes any sense. Yep. Like After you got out of the DJ Rom conversation, Fleetwood was right in that next group. He misses the cut, right? Uh, horrible outing for Tommy Fleetwood. How much longer are we going to consider Ricky Fowler an elite player? Ricky Fowler has been lost in the wilderness on big events. Uh, here he is again. And I'm going to throw one at you, Bob, that's a bit of a surprise. And I'm going to, I think I have it as a... Bryson DeChambeau? Not Bryson okay. DeChambeau. Not that big of a shock. Okay. I'm going to say Justin Thomas. Oh, yeah. I agree with you 100%. Bob, he opened with 65. Yeah. He was right there in this golf tournament. And to your point with Louis' rounds of 66, up, down, up, down, up, down. Look at Justin Thomas. 65. And then he goes 73, 76, 72. And basically flushes his 65 down the winged foot toilet. Is there anybody in golf who, um, who just beats himself up more on the golf course when he's playing badly. It's almost, it's not like, you know, when you see Jordan Spieth, you sort of think, oh, he's kind of whining when he's missing <laughs> shots and doing things. But Justin Thomas, I just laugh because I see myself, the guy's going, oh my God, how can I miss That's a That's the like worst that? shot ever hit on right, TV. Right. I just, love and I, I kind of laugh at it, and I don't know why that is, why, what the difference is, but I, I like Justin Thomas a lot because he sort of to me, reflects how a lot of average players can kind of relate where you, you know, one day you can come out and have a great round and the very next day you think, okay, I'm going to keep it going and you come out like he's done here and shot 76 or something. I think part of the difference for me is Jordan seems on occasion, not always, but but often to be reflecting it out. Oh, stupid lie, dumb hole location, there's right, something else. Yeah. With, the, just, with Thomas, it's, I'm garbage. Right. I stink. And right. I think people appreciate that, right? right? Who, who do you put in the uh, cup half empty here, Bob? Who would you add uh, to that list? You if know, you I, would? I, I kind of had to add Rory in there a little bit. I think, I think he was starting to play get better, and he gave me some, some hope a little bit. And then I thought, again, the putter just kind of let him down. Now, I know it's easy to say that when you're playing a U.S. Open golf course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patrick Reed... To me, was, was you saw a, that coming though. That yeah. train wreck. <laughs> you knew when he shot seventy that he got every break he that's, could have that's... got when he before he shot the seventy-seven on Friday. Um, you know, I thought I thought John Rahm was a little disappointing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking at. You know, Rory gave you the Ustazen uh, rounds. Look at Rory's rounds: sixty-seven, I'm in it; seventy-six, no, I'm not; sixty-eight, I'm back; seventy-five, I'm gone. Yeah, the Ricky Fowler comment, you know, was an interesting one because I sit there. I know he's working on swing changes. I know he's got a few things going on, but still. He's had a nothing year. Like, I was putting together a golf pool that I go in with my dad, and we've got to get our stuff going here. But I think, I think I'm looking at Ricky thinking, okay, do I, should I pick him? Is he worth the value that he's won it's based on what they won last mm-hmm. year? It's a really tough question right now. I don't I, – I would – my guess, my gut would be no. You know, there's probably somebody younger, hungrier on the upswing. And like you said, he is working on changes, but wow, how, how long do you go with that, right? right. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by TaylorMade. Every day, more golfers are playing the TP5 and TP5X golf balls. Join them and you'll see why.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. And welcome back inside our special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, as we discuss on every show, winners, weird, and what? It's our favorite segment of the show. And here's a recent edition of 3-Dub, the week after the U.S. Open, where in this time, I had the tea. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Okay, gents, my winner this week could also be a weird and a what all mixed into one. <laughs> Harris English tees off Sunday, the U.S. Open. He's excited. He's, he's in great uh, in a great place to maybe have his best finish at a major championship. Hits his tee shot into the left rough. What happens? They can't find the golf ball. One of the craziest things I think I've ever seen watching a major championship, obviously not having any fans around uh, was a big reason for this, but the marshals, the volunteers, they couldn't find the golf ball. What did he do after that? Instead of sulking, instead of you know being rattled, if you will, he goes back for the next 17 and a half holes. He plays some great golf. Three birdies, shoots a closing 73, finishing in fourth place. Does get his best career finish at a major championship. It was quite a bounce back for Harris English, wasn't it, Mark? Yeah, well, it was great. I, I'm still shocked that he lost the golf ball. I, I don't know how... You know, with I know there was no spectators out there, but there was tons of marshals, cameras everywhere. Uh, losing a golf ball like that it's, to start a final round is crazy. It's almost like if there had been fans there, not only would he have found the golf ball, but in all likelihood it might have bounced off a fan back into the fairway. Right. Or in a trampled <laughs> down lie. Exactly. Yeah, it was pretty wild to see, but good for Harris English to bounce back the way he did. Okay, my weird this week. We mentioned this a little earlier in the show, the Payne's Valley Cup. Tiger was his first public course. And the players were mic'd up for this event, which was great. You got to hear some in-depth conversations. Tiger Woods and Justin Rose talking about driver shaft lengths, how they're going to adjust that. And Rory McIlroy, who has a new favorite kind of pizza. Tell you what, we're on this big Domino's kick at the minute. It's so good. I swear to God. It's so it is good. good. Like if you're like if you don't know what the really good local pizza place is, yeah. Domino's is like solid. Yeah. You know what you're gonna get. Yeah. Okay, guys, simple <laughs> enough. Is is it Domino's is a pizza pizza for you guys? On the road game, Bob? What's the road game? On the road game? Oh, I always try to find the local one. Yeah, me too. I just I always ask around. But, uh, yeah, if you want to be safe, I think Domino's. Yeah. Although I'm not the quite best, sure I'd rank it quite as high as yeah. The is. best pizza in Toronto, boys, hands down, Queen Margarita. That's oh. good. I like Ro- so Romy's good. on Royal York and Bloor if you're around there. Oof. They're okay. awesome. Awesome. Yeah, I like the I like the just the, the go-to staple margarita pizza at Queen Margarita. Like, I'll eat the whole thing. I, I, in fact, if you uh, put your hands in front of my mouth, you might lose a digit. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. Skulls? Oh, uh, that, that's funny. I mean, for me, I, I like Domino's as well. I'm with Rory. Maybe not to the extent that Rory is, but, uh, hey, I mean, whatever. Good for you, Rory. <laughs> my what this week? Uh, we mentioned this a little earlier as well. What a bounce back for Graham Dillette. Uh Shoot 78 in the first round in Putacana, then the 64 in round two. Some special stuff from Graham Dillette. We saw him chipping with one hand at the Safeway Open. He's had a host of of short game issues in the past, but what a bounce back here for Graham Dillette and some uh, optimism here going forward, isn't it, Bob? Yeah, you know we uh, we had Graham on as our analyst during the uh, U.S. Open. 
And uh, before we did a little preview, and I had to ask him about the uh, the chipping with one hand, and he says, he says, I don't mind it on the PGA Tour. In fact, it's funny how the guys come around. They say, hey, whatever works. And he almost chipped in twice, he said. But the funniest thing he said is when I'm at my club at home, he says, that's when it's really embarrassing. <laughs> guys look at me like I got three heads. But uh, that is awesome. Nine birdies on the card. Birdied half the holes. Hopefully that's a good sign going forward. Do you think we'll see Adam Scully putting one-handed as a segue to that? I'd like to see him putt no-handed. Just no stick handed. the end I'm of the club in yeah. the in his, the uh, the six-pack. Yeah. You know, in the, now, in the he doesn't have. See, I can do the no. I can yeah. do the, with my COVID twelve. But that'd be I illegal. can do the no hand. That be but that be illegal Ooh. if he had no hands. But Hold just on, one point stomach. of contact. That's I don't right. see that being illegal if I happen to use my gut. Yeah. Adam, Adam, don't can't. get rid of that weight, Mark. Yes, maybe I should keep that weight on. Jam it in there, Scully. I think, Mark, you got to put more weight on, and then he can just go from there. I, I think that's the strategy. <laughs> I'm sure we'll get into putting a little more. <laughs> right in, in our the next, belly button. Yeah, right in the gut, the belly button. Okay, Bob, the tea is now yours. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. I get yours today, so that's it. Hey, hold on, that was story. yours. Switch around. Yeah, we'll switch it. Okay. No, that's right. You can have the you can have the family guy. I'm taking that one. So. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you take Jack. All right. All right. Like but you got to be angrier now. I am. All okay. right. I could do the pirate again. <laughs> National talk like a pirate day. Anyway, uh, my winner this week is Norm Barker from Collingwood, Ontario. This is a wonderful You're story. the next contestant. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> yes, exactly. Norm. Uh, Norm shot his best round this year was a 95. And uh, he, he breaks 100 quite regularly at a golf course. He plays up at Cranberry. It used to be Cranberry Village. I think it's just called the Cranberry Golf Course now. And he plays in the Old Timers Fun League up there. And um, I think it's great for, for Norm to shoot those great scores because on November 2nd, Norm's going to turn 99. He's going to turn 99 years old, and he's still out there playing four or and five breaking times breaking his week. age. And breaking his age on a regular... Uh, this is the quote in the newspaper article. I break 100 quite regularly, he said. Congratulations to Norm Barker. I love stories like this. It talks about, gives me a little hope that maybe yes. by the time I'm 99, I might figure out how to shoot 95. Norm, you're awesome. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's great. Great story. Okay. Uh, my weird this week is uh, a letter that the uh, lawyer for the Doobie Brothers sent. The Doobie Brothers? Yes. You remember the Doobie Brothers? <laughs> yes, of course. Sent Adam Bill. has no idea who you're talking no, about, but the Doobie please Brothers continue. are a rock 70s, 80s rock band. And um. the lawyer for uh, the Doobie Brothers sent a letter to Bill Murray because Bill Murray has a t-shirt, golf shirt company, right, called mm. Zero Bucks Given. And he's, oh, sorry, it's not actually not called that. It's called Zero Hucks Given. Okay. And they are using the song Listen to the Music in their ads. And they lawyers contend that he hasn't paid for it. But rather than Ooh. send sort of a legalese letter, right. he sent this letter that says, We're writing on behalf of our clients, the Doobie Brothers. The Doobie Brothers perform and recorded the song Listen to the Music, which Tom Johnson of the Doobie Brothers wrote. It's a fine song. I know you agree because you keep using it in your ads <laughs> for Zero Hucks Given golf shirts. However, given that you haven't paid us to use it, maybe you should change the name of the company to Zero Bucks Given. He says, we understand that you're running other ads using music from other, our other clients. The only other person who uses our clients' music without permission more than you, apparently, is Donald Trump. <laughs> but he did, he had some good, he says, we'd be okay with it if it, the shirts weren't so damn ugly. But there we go. Anyway, wow. so they came back on it, and they've, uh, they've gone back and forth in a fun way. Uh, I'm, I, I like when lawyers kind of have a little fun with each other. Not a, lot of people, a, lot, a lot of people know this, but a lot of people tell me I have the best music. Really? Really? Yes. <laughs> you got it. All right. 
That's it. All right, my uh, uh, my what this week is. Uh, come on, what you is need it? some anger, what? Bob. You got the Jack Nicholson <laughs> intro. You need some anger. My what is? What are these? What are these people on? What are these contestants on Jeopardy all about? <laughs> okay. They can't figure things out. Listen, you know this music right here, right? Final Jeopardy music. Right. So this was playing the other night on Jeopardy, and the question was... I'll pretend I'm Alex okay, Trebek. Yes. You know I was on uh, Reach for the Top, and Alex Trebek was the host one time? I did not know that. There you go. Well, we got to talk about this more. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Listen, on the Forbes we need another hour. Can you... On the Forbes 2020 list of the 100 highest paid athletes at age 50, this active individual sportsman is the oldest. Say that again? Here's the, here's the answer. You've got to get okay. the question. On Forbes' 2020 list of 100 highest paid athletes at age 50, this active individual sportsman is the oldest. Who would it be? Ooh. Scully? Uh, well, I know the. I, I saw the tweet, so I oh, do know the answer. Okay, so. Phil Come Mickelson? On. Phil Mickelson. That but the answers guess. for I these did. people, you know what the answers they came up with? What? The That's first, right, you sneaky little I didn't look devil. at the list. I just guessed Phil. The first contestant said Jagger. As in Yaramir Jagger. Jagger? He's wow. retired now. The second put the word Phil, but couldn't get Mickelson, didn't know it. And the third person put Mr. Magoo. <laughs> None of them got Phil Mickelson. All three of them struck out. But all three of them can build a rocket ship. So <laughs> there you go. That's it. Exactly. So. All right, Mark. The tea is yours. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball! I should point out before you go, yeah. is that Phil Mickelson actually responded in well, a tweet you, to that question. He says, just when I think I've arrived, brackets, I was the answer to tonight's final Jeopardy question, I realize they still have a long way to go. Bracket, they all got it wrong. <laughs> That's good. The tea is yours, Mark. All right, Ben, I'm going to try to do my best to bring the anger on my what, because I'm not used to the family guy. I'm usually a little bit more, you know, Jack, but we're going to try here, okay? So my winner, guys. Just let me do- know if I'm going to have to go with the dump button. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with my winner and my weird very quick. My winner, uh, Danny Lee. Uh, I, we used him this week on TV. He had the six-putt uh, last week, the WD after the six-putt. Very frustrating. He apologized. It did the right thing. Kind of took ownership. So good on Daniel Lee. We made fun of him for the six-putt and withdrawing. But he's my winner for apologizing and, and taking ownership of it. Okay. My weird this week. going to ask you guys a question because uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it. If you've looked at the list, then, then you'll know the answer. Have you looked, guys, at who's leading the race to Dubai? No. I purposely did not look. When okay, you saw so your give team. me a guess. Have you looked? I Who's say, leading race to Dubai? Uh, Colin Morikawa. Good guess. All right, Adam, who's leading race to Dubai? I was also going to say Morikawa. I'll say Danny Willett. Patrick Reed. Oh. With two ties for 13th in majors and a win back in February uh, the at the WGC, which is, of course, sanctioned by both tours. Yes. yes. Patrick Reed. I mean, if you could have given me 10, 12 guesses, you wouldn't have got Patrick Reed <laughs> as leading the race to the bye, thus my weird. Okay, my what? What I've been waiting for all week with <laughs> you guys. Here we go. All right? Line it up, baby. All right? You said golf course architecture on acid. Well, my good friend, and I, you know, I should say this off the top, I've only met Mike Davis in passing once at a Golf Canada party in Augusta. 
that for two seconds. So I don't know Mike Davis personally at all. He might be a very nice man. Okay, for all accounts, he might be a wonderful person. So let's get that out there. However, his tenure as executive director and then CEO of the USGA has caused me some anxiety, stress, and anger over the years. Windmills on golf courses, clowns nose, floating pars, T-decks that go up and down. We have rough, we don't have rough. When things go sideways, you can't find them. When things go well, there he is with the camera, smiling and waving at the crowd. Oh, uh, we've got, uh, we've lost our greens at Shinnecock. I mean, like, we can go on and on. Mike Davis and this week he is stepping down uh, at the end of next year uh, and he is leaving the USGA. Okay. It's what he's doing next, guys. His ne- next venture of his career. He's going to join Tom Fazio II to be a golf course architect. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, I'm leaving Golf Talk Canada. Adam's moving into this chair. You guys have a wonderful 2021 because in the middle of next season, I'm going to be an Olympic high jumper. <laughs> All right? That's what I'm, I'm going to join the NBA. All right? What? This is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, I know he loves golf course action. I, I read the, the press release. Mike Davis, as a kid, was doodling on napkins, holes, and designs. I'm like, okay, you know what? I like to paint at home in my spare time. I'm not doing the Sistine Chapel anytime soon. Okay? Like, this is... I, when I saw it, I almost fell off my chair. I was laughing hysterically. In fact, it shouldn't be my what? It should have been my winner, because it was the best laugh I had all week, Bob. should have been your weird. <laughs> Listen, I'll give, I'll give Mike Davis... Uh, I'll fault him for the course setup, for taking courses to the extreme. I'll give him credit for being the guy who helped, or was at the helm anyway, of moving to public golf courses like... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Torrey Pines, yeah. Half-Page Black. Best page Black is what I was thinking of. Yeah, so he's brought some of those things in. And I've, I've met Mike. I've spent some time with Mike uh, a number of times and stuff. And he's a, he's a very he's a passionate guy about the game of golf. Um, but listen, let's not forget what's happened under his reign. And the latest evidence of it was just last week at the U.S. Open. The golf ball is going way too far. Golf, mm-hmm. whether, and, and that's under the USGA and the RNA's watch. He's the head of the USGA. Let's, let's, let's label him with that, or at least partly. Adam, golf balls went too far. Drivers got the size of toasters. And you let the horses out of the barn with a belly putter for 30 years and then jam them back in. Come on now here. And what do you think about, before we go to break, like Davis doing golf course architecture, I think, you know what? I think I have a better chance at the NBA. <laughs> mm, I mean, the NBA or or the Olympic high jumper. I mean, right. I, either one. But it, it, I, I'd be curious to see what sort of uh, golf course setup Mike Davis would do if he did uh, design his own golf course. Uh, he's had quite a career, we'll put it at that, uh, and all the best to him uh, going forward. That's all well, the next time you and I are in Myrtle Beach together, I'll take you to the Pirate Island Adventure Mini Pot, and I'll show you what, uh, what his courses are going to look like. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories.
This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Wrapping up hour one of our special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, we recently ran a tailor-made product special both on Golf Talk Canada television and Golf Talk Canada radio. And one of their great products throughout the year, the Sim Iron line. So many players have used this. Any level of handicap, whether you're below 10, you're in that mid-range handicap, or the game improvement line, many different players have put this iron into play. In particular, Nick Taylor with the Sim Max 4 iron, essentially using it as a driving iron en route to winning the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He called it his big four iron, and he beat Phil Mickelson in quite a duel at Pebble Beach. Let's learn more about the Sim iron line with Bob and TaylorMade's Matt Bovey. All right, Matt, let's talk about uh, Sim irons. And this is building off the technology that uh, you brought out last year with SpeedBridge, and that seems to be the main... Um, piece of attention for this iron, but it's certainly not the only story. So why don't you give us a little bit about what's going on and how you came up with this new design? Sure, yeah, so the new 2020 iron, Sim Max and Sim Max OS, they're built around the foundation of the SpeedBridge technology, like you mentioned. That SpeedBridge gives players more distance with better feel from one technology. So we don't have to have the trade-off anymore, which is why we wanna make sure we keep that technology and we build around it. But in addition to the SpeedBridge, the Max and Max OS are packed full with the Speed Pocket and a brand new sound dampening uh, technology called the Echo Damping System. Ultimately, what this is going to do is it's going to give players forged iron-like feel without sacrificing any performance. Now, the Echo Damping System uses multiple contact points across the full length of the face to accelerate that damping process, which is where we get the forged iron-like feel without sacrificing performance. It's tough to try and combine all the things you've got in there and still make this club work. How much of a, um, of, a, of a building process was it to kind of get to this point where you're really not sacrificing anything? Yeah, when you think about the amount of time we spent uh, developing SpeedBridge, right? That's three to four years in the making, and now we've understood it in, in the M5 and M6 irons, which allows us to then continue to redesign it, optimize it, and ultimately design a better face into 2020. So, I mean, you're looking at five years just from the technology package that's in these irons but in terms of really breaking the trade-off barrier between distance and feel for a game improvement iron that's been a mission for a long long time okay now you've got a second version of this there's a sim max a sim max os tell us about the os yeah so the os is new to the family this year a sim max is our core game improvement iron all around distance forgiveness playability sim max os os standing for oversized is super game improvement so a slightly bigger club head there you got more face area a little more offset designed to be more forgiving, and it's built with stronger loss. So players that hold distance paramount, that's definitely gonna be something that they wanna look at. It's got all the same technology as Sim Max, in addition to the new shaping for that player looking for more forgiveness, so you know it's gonna feel great and go a long way. Okay, if I'm a golfer, I'm interested in these clubs, where does it find it in the handicap level or the experience level, who should play each one of these irons? It's a great question, and it's hard to put a handicap number on these because it really comes down to what you're looking at as a player and maybe your swing speed. But I would say that anybody in that mid to high handicap range, 15 and up, Sim Max and Max OS is going to be a good candidate for you. It's just going to be about what fits your eye, what fits how you deliver the club head to the ball impact, and ultimately what gives you the best performance. 
I wouldn't put a ceiling on any of them. You know, you could be a 30 handicap and these are going to work great for you as well. But I certainly recommend getting fit. Perfect. Thank you. Absolutely. That does it for hour one of our special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. On the other side, we're going to discuss the Ryder Cup and what could have been and what will be for 2021. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach. No destination in the world can match Myrtle Beach's volume of golf, quality, and value. Come discover why Myrtle Beach is the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television, weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Kicking off the back nine of another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, the Ryder Cup, it's one of the great events on the golf calendar. Comes every two years. Yes, this year's tournament, unfortunately, postponed due to COVID-19. Will be back in 2021. Hopefully, there can be fans in the stands. Just absolutely great to watch. Probably... It might be my favorite to watch. That or the Masters. It's tough to compare, but the Ryder Cup, one of the great tournaments on the golfing calendar. Recently, Mark, Bob, and I discussed what the Ryder Cup could have looked like this year in terms of who would be playing, and we'll also discuss who could be playing in next year's tournament in 2021. All right. It would have been Ryder Cup week. This weekend, we would have been watching. And you know what? I'm going to say kind of what I say every year, and then I'm wrong. I'm looking at these teams on paper, and there is no way, there is no way that Europe would have been beating Team USA this week. I'm just, I mean, like, this is such a, this might be the most lopsided affair that you would have ever seen, and and yet probably Europe would have figured out a way to win somehow. I don't know how, though, when I look at these teams. Uh, The good news for Europe, regardless, is they've got a year now to build that strength back up and get some of their regular guys maybe back on this team or have somebody kind of grab the baton and run with it a bit. So anyway, let's welcome in now Adam Scully, our producer, Adam Scully. Skulls, um, before we get into picks or whatnot, what was your reaction when you saw these teams on paper when we said, okay, we're going to do this this week, and we all kind of went to the standings to have a look? Did you have the same reaction I had, like, this would just be like a completely lopsided affair? Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Mark. I mean, looking at these teams on paper, the U.S. would win in a landslide. You look at the last Ryder Cup in 2018, the Europeans absolutely demolished the Americans. Obviously, it was a completely different golf course, and that's become a big story for these recent Ryder Cups is the way the golf courses have been set up. You look at the golf course a couple of years ago in France, the fairways were 18 yards wide. The Americans had guys like Phil Mickelson on the team who couldn't hit a fairway for his life. And, you know, Whistling Straits was supposed to host the Ryder 
Cup this weekend. They're going to host it next year. I would presume they're going to have no rough there. It's going to be close to 8,000 yards, and the U.S. team formula is going to be a bunch of bombers who can hit who can hit the ball a big way. So on paper, anyway, the U.S. would be the heavy favorite for sure. Well, I will say this. Uh, I've played Whistling Street. It's one of my favorite golf courses, but it is the most, out of a golf course that looks visually like a Lynx golf course, from a North American standpoint, it probably plays the least like a Lynx course. So if you compare Whistling Straits visually, it, it looks like Bandon Dunes. Visually, it looks like Cabot Cliffs or Cabot Lynx. Or it plays nothing. It is a highball North American golf course that just happens to look like a Lynx golf course, i.e., just see what Jason Day did there at the PGA Championship, right? Bob, those fairways were huge, and he bombed it high all day. It's like uh, a Lynx course on acid. Yeah, you know? yeah very much That's so. basically yeah. what it is. Right. I think it's the weirdest course it's I've ever seen. It's funny that Bob used course. that reference, because well, I wasn't going to get into that in Winter's Weird and What. About <laughs> okay. golf course architecture on acid. Okay. All right? Just remember that. Teaser. All right, so let's look at the standings. Let's start with Team USA. Dustin Johnson Colin Morikawa, Brooks Kepka, Justin Thomas, Webb Simpson, and Bryson DeChambeau. Those are your top six for Team USA. Those players are automatic on this team. DJ, Morikawa, Kepka, JT, Simpson, DeChambeau. They're automatic. I'll give you the next four in the point standings. Xander, Reed, Berger, Finau. That is your top ten. Okay, Scully, let's start with you. You're the captain of the red, white, and blue. You got your six boys. Who are your four? Uh, who are your next six picks? You got to get this team to twelve. Okay, so my next six. So I, I have three different categories here. So I mentioned Whistling Straits going to be a bombers golf course, and for that reason, I like Matthew Wolf and Tony Finau on this team for guys who, who can hit the ball a long way. Another category, guys who are overall good in every category. They don't really have many weaknesses. Xander Shoffley, Daniel Berger, both have experience as well on the U.S. on a team format. And then two X factors, two guys who you might think. Meh, Maybe they've had some some uh, success in the past, and this one player in particular, Patrick Reed, has had some interesting uh, altercations, shall we say, in the past on team formats as well. So my uh, for my two X factors, I'm going Patrick Reed, and of course, you guys know me, Tiger Woods. Hmm, I knew I was waiting for that. Okay, <laughs> so I. We have very similar picks, Adam. There's a couple of a couple of differences and a couple of stutter steps where I'm unsure. Bob, let's go to you. Captain's picks, you got six to make. I, 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 I got a feeling one thing that you and I are certainly going to have in common. Well, my picks are exactly the same as Adam's. Wow. Exactly the same. Including as Tiger Woods. Including Tiger Woods. And the reason I'm, picking, I'm saying Tiger Woods is going to be on there, who's the captain? Steve Stricker. Steve Stricker, oh. who's basically one of Tiger's best but come friends. Come on, right? guys. So if you've got. If I'm, you've okay, got but 11, what about you, though? <laughs> that's what I'm would saying. You, no, I would, if you were the captain. I would want Tiger on that team. I would want Tiger on that team because I think it's so strong, even though on, it's on paper, that you you can have a motivational guy. You can have a leadership yeah, okay. guy. I Remember can buy Justin that. Thomas last year getting paired with him yeah. in the pairings and saying what a thrill it was at the President's Cup and saying, you know, this is what I've dreamed of. So I think that's enough of uh, of a factor. And think of how well he played. He was yeah, the best player on the I President's know. Cup. I'm just so there's lots for... of reasons for me to believe him, that believe that way. If there's one guy on there that I'm not so so 100% solid on it might be Tony Finau. Right. Just because of some of the past performances he's had, I just don't I'm not 100% sure on him, but wow. I don't know where there's you're you've got a a, a rich pot to choose from. Like you Oh my god, like, like this Matt team Wolf. USA is already so stacked it's ridiculous and then the pot to pick from is just as stacked. Um 
you know, you're leaving a U.S. Open champion off, and Gary Woodland, a year ago a U.S. Open champion, Kevin Kisner, who's a bulldog in match play. He's great in the room, Kevin Yeah, Kisner great in the room. Like, there's so many guys. Who, who's played well. Yeah. Uh, Cantlay is such an underrated guy. Mm-hmm. All those guys are ranked higher than Matthew Wolf, by the way. So, and that, but a lot of that has to do with, you know, it's a two-year window, and yeah. Matt Wolf missed the year, yeah. right? So, um all right, so you, I can understand your argument on Tiger, that the team is so strong, and you can rah-rah this, that. But I don't have Tiger on this team, guys. I got him mm. as my assistant captain is where I have him. I got him in the room. I got him alongside Steve Stricker. I just don't have him playing golf. Partly because I don't trust his game, uh, but also partly because I think Team USA needs an influx of different faces and young blood to break the hangover, to break the curse. Okay, Tiger Woods came into the last Ryder Cup as a tour champion, winning at Eastlake, got to France, and basically looked like a guy stuffed on baguette and brie. Okay, <laughs> like he shouldn't have been playing a golf club. Okay, we, a golf golf tournament. He was half asleep. Do you remember the lethargic yep. mm-hmm. nature at the Ryder Cup? If you can't get up for playing in front of that crowd in France, I mean, unbelievable. So I've got though I've got a similar, but I've got a problem. I will have a problem. I do okay. have a problem. I know that, but tell us about your team. <laughs> I've got Xander Shoffley, yep. Daniel Berger, for all the reasons you gentlemen have outlined. Uh-huh. I got Tony Finau and Matt Wolf. That's four. Okay. I got Patrick Cantley, mm-hmm. and then I stumble. Do you go with Reed? Can you forgive the dynamic he may bring to this team and pass sins for what he's done, not only in his career, but what he's been able to do in match play scenarios and international team competition? Or do you penalize him and you keep him on the sideline and say you didn't earn it and we don't want all the stuff that comes with Patrick Reed and I'm going to take the PGA Tour Rookie of the Year, Scotty Scheffler, and say, you know what, you've played great in big events, you showed us something at the PGA Championship, and we need new blood. It's about my new blood theme, Morikawa, Wolf, uh, potentially Scotty, new blood Break the hangover, break the curse. That's where I'm stuck, and I don't know where I go on that. I really don't. But you know what's tougher than making that decision? <laughs> I know what you're going to go to now. Well, I'll tell you what's tougher than making that decision is finding anyone worth putting on Team Europe. So Team Europe is, uh, let me pull up that, uh, that email here where, I've, where we've broken down exactly what Team Europe is because Team Europe uses a combination. I got, I got them here. You got what? it? Okay, so combination of both here's... systems, Bob. Here's our uh, here's our European qualifiers. There's nine of them right now. Right. Tommy Fleetwood, John Rahm, Rory McIlroy, Victor Perez, uh, Tyrrell Hatton, Danny Willett, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Lee Westwood, and Bern Wiesberger. Okay, so with the exception of John Rahm, you got Fleetwood missing the cut at the U.S. Open. You got Rory McIlroy pretty much lost in the wilderness since the return to golf, and then you got nothing. So, Bob, let's start with you. What do you do to this team right now? You've got three picks to make. Like, I'm going so far down the ladder to just get some talent on this team and hoping that they find their game. So, I went down and looked at what you got, and and you've got guys who are good names who aren't necessarily in form, but I think we've seen that before on the European side. Guys rally. Mm -hmm. Guys seem to dig down deep. So I think my first pick is a pretty obvious one. It's uh, Shane Lowry, the Open champion. I think you got to have him on your team. Right. Even though he's just really mediocre right now. Mm-hmm. 
The guy who is not in that top nine, who I think is playing the best of the guys, is Rafa Cabrera Bale. Mm-hmm. I think the Spanish uh, sensation yep. is going to be there. And then I think, for the same reason I'm picking Tiger, even though this guy's playing terrible, mm-hmm. I'm going with Sergio. He's, oh, my. He's oh the, my. He's the wow. guy. He is the excitement. He's the guy who lights it up in the room for them. Uh, he's He's been manu- manufactured a way to play in these things in the past, and I'm going to put him on, too. Wow. Okay. I, I've been going – I've got a similar road to Bob with a couple of changes. I've fallen well down the ladder here. I'm going to Justin Rose, uh, former world number one, hoping at some point that he would break form. And again, Bob, like to your point, you put these guys in a European jersey, and all of a sudden they find their game. I'm going also with Rafa Cabrera Bale. I think he's the best player at the moment on this list in terms of his current form that hasn't automatically qualified. Right. And then I'm going with a bit of my American captain headgear and saying (laughs) Victor Hovland needs to be on this team. Wow. Victor Hovland is going to be a future star of a Ryder Cup team and has played great. Like, this guy is a cut machine. Big events don't scare him at all. He's proven that already. Uh, I think Victor Hovland deserves to be on this team. I would add him. Okay, Scully, you're the European captain. You've got three picks. It does not look as fruitful as Team USA. Where are you going? Okay, so I have two of the three picks that Mark also picked, and I have zero of the three picks that Bob ah. had. So I also had Justin Rose, uh, currently 28th in the world points, 39th in the European team points, not playing so hot right now. Victor Hovland as well. I think he's going to be on that team. And one player that neither of you picked, Thomas Peters. He also partnered yeah. with Rory McIlroy back in 2016, and they played very well together on another golf course like this, Whistling Straits. You're going to need a lot of this since he showed some form at the U.S. Open after sort of being lost in the wilderness for a little bit himself. I like Thomas Peters on his team as well. I Guys, i got to tell you something. In about a year from now, just under a year from now, when they shut down the qualifying period and these teams are, are locked in, I think Team USA is going to be in a very similar situation than what we're seeing right now. I don't anticipate a ton of change in that team, and I think the biggest decision that Team USA is going to have is a guy named Tiger Woods. But I think Team Europe in 10 months could yeah. look drastically different. I agree, 100%. Some guys are going to rise up. Some guys, don't forget a lot of those European, like Molinari hasn't played, right? Well, that's Where's it. I, I was wondering if any of you were going to go off the board and go, hey, uh, get you know, wake up Francesco from his uh, pasta como, uh, co- coma. Como, that's, there's a pun. Uh, <laughs> pasta coma. Yeah, wake up, Francesco. You know, <laughs> stop the Oricetti and let's peg it up, right? He's one of the best European players in the world, hands down, when he's playing golf. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back to another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. 
Adam Scully here in studio. Well, recently, our own Mark Sacchino had a chance to go visit Dentonia Golf Club, one of five municipal golf courses in the Toronto area, and he was joined by a special guest where they learned something called bling golf. Let's go to Mark and our special guest. We're at a very special place today, Dentonia Park Golf Course in the heart of Scarborough, Ontario, Canada. Why is this so special to yours truly? In 1982, I played my first round of golf as a seven-year-old right here at Dentonia Park Golf Course. And many golfers, many kids get introduced to the game through the city of Toronto golf courses and municipal golf courses across the country. It is so important to the fabric of growing the game of golf. They actually manage five city, uh, five courses, the city of Toronto. Dentonia Park Golf Course, where we are today, Scarlet Woods, where our own Bob Weeks had his first job in the golf industry, Humber Valley, Don Valley, and Tamo Shanner. They're all wonderful venues. This is a par three golf course here at Dentonia Park, and it's really a great spot to introduce your kid to the game of golf. Today we're going to speak with Goran Mitrovsky. He is the golf manager for the city of Toronto. And Goran's going to talk about the importance of not only introducing uh, kids to the game or even any new golfers to the game, but how to come back and rediscover these great golf courses. We're also going to try something a little cool called fling golf. Yeah, never heard of it, but apparently it's a very cool and new way to experience the game. Let's go check it out. Let's go talk to Goran. Goran, this uh, property is so special to me. I played my first round of golf here when I was seven years old. Is that your customer? How many, how many people do you introduce to the game here? You know what, Mark, thank you for being here, and we do hear this a lot. So uh, just like you, my first round of golf was here at Dentonia Park as well, but in my travels throughout the city, I hear this everywhere I go. And anybody who meets me and hears my title, they always have a story of how they started playing golf in one of our courses or they love one of our courses. Well, you know, what was interesting is you and I spoke a little earlier in the month and you said prior to COVID that the marketing plan for 2020 was going to be rediscover these golf courses. Exactly. So uh, we all have stories of how we've played these courses. We love these courses, but maybe we moved on and played somewhere else. So I want everyone to come back and see what kind of great shape these courses are in and see how challenging they are. You know, people don't associate municipal golf courses with being challenging or really high quality. Ours are, that's one of our selling points. And let's not forget that uh, Beth Page Black and Torrey Pines are municipal golf courses in the U.S. that have hold, held U.S. Open uh, championships before. And we've got some great municipal golf courses right here in Toronto. I know you, obviously you manage five of them. Okay, COVID was a success for golf in terms of participation. I know your numbers were up here. Explain uh, what kind of year you've had and how it might have been even better. Obviously, you had COVID protocol in place. It was a unique year. So yes, we were up and we have new golfers who've never played golf that attributed to that. And also golf naturally leads to social distancing. So one of the few recreational opportunities that you're allowed to play during COVID. Uh, with the restrictions though, we did lose a tee time every hour and we've also lost the first hour. We were mandated by Toronto Public Health to disinfect every touch point around the golf course. So we, our first tee time at the beginning of the year was 7 a.m., not six. So we lost those six or seven tee times in the morning plus an additional tee time every hour that we were open. Okay, tell us a little bit about the success of that though, because you still had a almost, you know, for lack of a better term, a record year and provided a safe environment for people to come play golf. Yeah, yeah, so we were basically sold out all year. So from when we first opened in May, May 16th, when the, when the provincial government said we could, we were allowed to open, 
We are sold out every day, basically, and you're booking five days in advance. So if, uh, days where people didn't show up, they were automatically filled by people wanting to play. Uh, rounds are up. They were up in, uh, you know, over last year. Um, and again, we attributed to being the only recreational activity that people were allowed to do and new golfers coming into the sport. Okay, before we get to fling golf, which is something we're going to try today, tell us a little bit about what happens after the closing here. I had no idea that this was a 12-month facility. Are all the golf courses 12-month facilities? What happens after the closing day? Yeah, this is something that really people don't know about, and we're trying to get the word out more now. So our golf courses, all five of our golf courses, are open 12 months a year. So for In the shoulder seasons, after the golf course closes to golf, you can come out and do passive recreational activities on all, all of our facilities. What, what kind of recreation activities are we talking about? Snowshoeing, what are we talking about? Exactly, so come out and take a walk on one of our golf courses with your dog, but on leash please. And uh, you can do snowshoeing, cross-country uh, sledding, or sorry, cross-country skiing, and also sledding with your children. No tobogganing, but if you want to push your kid around with a, with a sled, by all means, come all, out and All do are it. welcomed. Yeah. Okay, speaking of all are welcomed, for someone who doesn't know what fling golf is or for someone who's never seen it, describe fling golf for someone who is a complete newbie. Okay, so we've introduced fling golf at our at four of the five city golf courses and uh, it took off as a team building exercise. So our niche market, we thought we'd get it with seniors and, and juniors and, and people with uh, disabilities, but actually the niche was corporate team building. But this year with COVID, uh, that hasn't happened, but it's a cross between lacrosse, baseball, hockey, and golf. You use one stick for the entire round, you pitch, putt, and drive with this one stick. All right, and if you've ever played golf before, or if you've never played golf before, can you still play? You can play it. Usually the learning curve is about 10 to 15 minutes and you'll be playing it like straight and uh, and putting and pitching no problem. They say the biggest challenge facing the game pre-COVID was the time consumed to play around a golf. How long does it take to play a fling round versus a regular round? Here at D'Antonio we can play a fling round in about an hour and a half. All 18 holes. Wow, okay yeah. so a third of the time, yep. half of the time roughly to play around. All right. Probably a third. Gordon, thank you so much for having us. Absolute pleasure. Can't wait to come back here in the spring and play some golf with you. Thank you. You're welcome back anytime, Mark. What a special place. Stirring up some ghosts to be back here. Just remembering my mom or my dad bringing me out here, playing with childhood friends. And what a cool experience to play fling golf. Uh, if you've never played the game of golf before, you want to try something different, or you just want to get out on a golf course, what a cool way to be introduced to the sport. Looking forward to coming back next spring, maybe next summer, getting out them wedges, working on the short game right here at Dentonia Park. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by Woodington Lake Golf Club, proud home of PGA Tour Canada's Ontario Open. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks.
Welcome back to another special best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Mark and Bob are off this week. Well, as we always say, winners, weird, and what? It's our favorite time of the show. It's a great time for us to discuss the, the weird, the wacky, the awesome, all in the world of golf. And here's another recent edition of 3-Dub. And this time around, Bob had the tea. So, so what do I do? Just aim for the pond? No, you're not supposed to hit it into the water. But you hit it into the water. I know I hit it into the water. Well, why do they even have water if you're not supposed to hit it there? Because it's fun! We're having fun! Look, it went further than your ball. All right, guys. My, uh, my winner this week is uh, the USGA. Mark, you'd like that, right? Oh, wow. Jeez, oh, I can't <laughs> wait to hear more. <laughs> yeah. So if you follow the Club Pro guy on Twitter, you might you probably know he have it's a great parody uh, Twitter account, and he is supposedly this club pro at a, a dodgy little course, and he played himself played in the final of the Thursday night men's league, and uh, recounted the whole story about how he was playing against a guy Stan Perry, whose uh, granddaughter was with him in the cart, and whose granddaughter jumped into one of the bunkers when he was about to hit a shot. Uh, so, so club pro guy said, well, that's a penalty. You know, you're testing the soil, testing the, the, the ground <laughs> with the, your granddaughter. And also the fact that his granddaughter had a little plastic club, which he stuffed into her grandfather's bag. And that cost him another hole as well. So it was a fun little parody of a, of a, a club match final, but the USGA responded with an official ruling <laughs> on, the, really? on the whole thing. They sent him a letter and uh, it's very funny and it's, it actually agrees with him. It says, yes. Those were two loss of holes. That's the way it should have been. But at the end, it said that um, uh, we uh, we think that you're basically uh, it's we 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 wanted to express our distaste for your conduct in this match. <laughs> and the and the rules official says in my entire 26 year tenure with the USGA, I have never been confronted with this level of pettiness and poor sportsmanship. You are an embarrassment to your profession and a stain on the game that we all love, which is <laughs> equally in parody. So. If you want to go and find it, uh, just go and look for a club pro guy. I thought that was a uh, was a real good one. That's good. Uh, and my uh, my weird this week is: Did you guys see the shank that John Rom oh, hit? Oh yeah. Oh oh. Now he's hit a couple of these before, and I was mm-hmm. trying to think, and I'm going to put this out to you: Which PGA Tour professional do mm. you think shanks the ball more than others? And it's, it's I'm amazed that you see this quite often on the PGA Tour. But this one by by Rom was a pretty good one. But who would you say, Mark? Who would you say shanks it more than anyone? Off the top of my head, and I haven't seen one in a long time. But uh, if we go back about ten years ago, he was good for a, a good one or two violent ones a year. I would. I, I remember Ian Poulter with a few. Exactly. Bob. <laughs> I, that's the first name that comes to mind for sure. <laughs> Scully, would you you agree with that one? Yeah, Poulter or Webb Simpson's hit a couple of beauty hosels. I mean, the Ryder Cup in 2012. Yes, part I three, remember that. He screamed one way right. But, Bob, that shank by John Rahm. He also had one last year on the eighth hole at Augusta National. Remember that? That's right. That's right. That's right. He's had a, he's had a couple of dandies out there and uh, just goes to show you that everyone is, uh, is vulnerable to the yep. dreaded shank. Yep. Uh, and my what this week is, uh, what is it that Brooke Henderson can't do? Is there anything she can't do? So she's been sitting at home, taking a little bit of time off, and she decided she would take something up that would, would help her, you know, maybe with her with her game. So she learned how to juggle, and she put up a, a video of her on her uh, Instagram account and on her 
her Twitter account of her juggling, and it's, again, flawless. And so I have challenged her. She's only juggling with three, go- three balls, mind you, but I said, I expect by the U.S. Open that you should be having four balls in the air at the same time. So, uh, another, Of course, another one of them on fire, too, Bob. One of those golf balls yes, should be on fire. That's right. right. That's right. The flaming, uh, the flaming torches. That'll be next in her itinerary. So, uh, so there you go. That's my uh, winner's weird and what, and I've lost who's next. I'm sorry. Uh, I believe the tea is Mark. mine. Okay, Mark, you go ahead. Let us know what's happening. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! My winner, guys, is uh, our lefty duel, duel last week on the Champions Tour. Mike Weir, with a chance to win leading into Sunday, goes toe-to-toe with Phil Mickelson. How fantastic is the Champions Tour? Eventually, Phil goes on to win his first two events on the Champions Tour, but to see Weir with a chance to win, to see the names on the leaderboard uh, of of Mickelson and 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 Els and Weir and Longer still playing well, Bob, Champions Tour's got a real punch in the arm and some star power. I think when we get on the other side of COVID, this could be a real bump for the Champions Tour. It's a it's a great class of guys who went through this year, you know, with uh, Weir and Els and Jim Furyk and Phil Mickelson. And as Phil pointed out, these guys have been playing against each other since college days. Mm-hmm. And the interest, most interesting thing about that, the third time in the history of the PGA Tour or any PGA Tour sanctioned event that lefties have finished 1-2. I would have thought that would have been the first one, no doubt, but they said it's happened twice before. Well, there you go. Bubba Watson and Bar- Bob Charles, apparently, at some point. Yeah. So. <laughs> My weird this week, uh, you know, last couple of weeks, guys, I worked uh, the Las Vegas double dip for PGA Tour Radio. The first of those two weeks was TPC Summerlin for uh, the Shriners for Hospitals Children Open. Did you see the finish for Martin Laird? It was one of the best pars I have ever seen on the 71st hole, that very difficult par three that uh, if you remember a few years back, Jonathan Bird had an ace in a playoff to win. So that's that hole's got some history. But Martin Laird, with the, I guess the block swing of the of the season so far, with the water left on that par three, he hits it 30, 40 yards right, chips it underneath the trees, squibs it onto the green, knocks in a 20 footer for par. We think the whole thing's over. And he gags it on the 72nd hole with a horrible bogey, only to win it in a playoff for Martin Laird. Adam, did you see the finish I'm referring to? If so, how good's the par on the 17th, and how pathetic is the bogey on 72nd hole? You know what? That final round for Martin Laird was an absolute roller coaster. How about the bunker shot he hit, plugged yes, in the exactly. lip? He looked dead. Yes. Like it almost looked like he was going to take an unplayable lie. What's he do? He sort of yes. he slaps at it. Rolls in like a putt. What a victory for Martin Laird, his first win in a number of years. That was one of the great finishes during this fall stretch. All right, my unique, uh, my what this uh, week is what a unique spot, Shadow Creek. I don't know if you uh, gentlemen have ever had a chance to, to be there on property. I've actually had the opportunity to, to play Shadow Creek a couple mm. times uh, on my previous ventures. But uh, working it this past week, four days around Shadow Creek for PGA Tour Radio, it's a very unique and special spot. You know, Tom Fazio hired uh, by, uh, by uh, the wind group there to, uh, to build uh, a high roller exclusive property that he didn't want to feel was in the desert. And when you walk around that golf course, 
without the mountains, guys, you'd swear to God you're in Georgia. You'd swear to God you're in North Carolina. It doesn't look like the desert. Nothing is out of place. It is, it's very similar to walking around Augusta National in the sense that the greens are perfect. Uh, the cuts are perfect. Uh, I mean, it is Disneyland for golf. I, I felt like I was waiting for It's a Small World after all to start playing in my head, walking around there. The players absolutely loved it. Uh, Rory McIlroy said, I wish we could come play here every year, and he wasn't the only one that said that. Impossible to get galleries around that golf course, so I truly believe from a PGA Tour perspective, this is a one-off unless somebody like the MGM group decided we want to be a part of the PGA Tour annually and we're going to do like a VIP thing only where we're not going to have galleries to, the, to that extent, etc. Because it, it is one of the tightest pieces of property to navigate your way around in terms of radio, TV, people. So you can never have like a full-blown tour event there. But what a special spot. And if you're out there listening and you're making your way to Vegas in the next year or two and you want to play golf... Uh, it's a it's it's a little bit pricey, a little hard to get on. But if you can do it and treat it more like a Pebble Beach type of thing, where it's something you might do once in your life, it is well worth it. All right, Adam, winners weird and what, sir? The tea is yours. Yeah, well, I, I had the coffee. I got to activate the calves, and I got to step on one here. <laughs> Come on, baby. That's what I'm going to do today. Hit bombs and attack the pin. Well, gents, for the last couple of years, we've seen some professional golfers excel on social media. Phil Mickelson, one of them. Lee Westwood's pretty good. Ian Poulter as well. But how about Max, Max Homa, I should say, as well. But how about Joel Damon? He has been a social media all-star. Him and his caddy, Gino Benelli. Before teeing off on Thursday, Benelli tweeted out, this is probably six years late, but I'm going to start publishing one quote from Joel Damon after every round we play. It could be funny, might be sad. It also will be real. His quote after round one from Damon. This is what Damon said on the golf course. And I quote, I'm quoting him here. If a normal person saw me play right now, there's no way they would believe I'm a professional golfer. <laughs> so, so there's my first part of, of my winner with Joel Damon. Then Damon tweets out this inspirational video with the Rocky soundtrack with the caption, The Quest for 170, it implying his ball speed getting it up to 170 miles per hour. <laughs> Bryson's was only 211 miles per hour. And then you guys see yesterday, 15 pole, there's a smattering of fans standing by one of the homes there at Sherwood. He makes probably a 20-foot putt and yells, Are you not entertained? Bob, for me, Joel Damon, an overall winner this week. He's been a great character the whole time, All I mean, for his entire career. Uh, I like the one some guy said to him, don't you think you can uh, you can become like a, a top 10 golfer in the world? He says, no, not a chance. I don't hit it far <laughs> enough. <laughs> just, uh, just, just boom. Okay, well, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> you know, I think it, it's and, great. And boys, it's, it's funny, you know, looking at Damon's quest for 170 and Bryson hitting 211 miles per hour on that 403-yard carry. As you guys know, I like to try to hit bombs. And when I was getting fit for new irons that Taylor made a couple weeks ago, I hit some drivers. I wanted to just... Uh, see my settings and without I wasn't going after it I should say but my ball speed got up to 168 so Ooh. I'm trailing Bryson by a lot so Mark I know I'll be uh, pumping the protein shakes in and I'll be about 260 pounds by uh, GTC <laughs> next year what do you think about that <laughs> <laughs> not good um, my weird this week Rory McIlroy so we discussed this a little bit but the club snap on 
Thursday. He got an awful break off the tee on the 18th hole. Hit his tee shot way right. His ball bounced back what seemed to be about 60 yards. Hit a shot onto the fairway. And then a pretty mediocre wedge, and he snapped the club. And every once in a while, these, these tour guys get really PO'd, and, and they, they lose it. But it was the way that McElroy snapped the club. He didn't do over the knee like Patrick Reed a couple of years ago at Pebble Beach. He sort of leaned on the club, and it sort of snapped in two. And we've seen Rory have some unique circumstances with golf clubs. We remember the 2015 WGC uh, Cadillac Championship at Doral when he frisbeed his four iron about 80 yards into the water at the 2016 Open Championship when he, he threw his three wood over his shoulder and it actually broke the shaft and the head almost like a hockey stick breaks right where, where the shaft and the, the club head meet. So McElroy really has some unique ways of breaking clubs, doesn't he, Mark? Yeah, I was there in, uh, at Doral in 2015, Adam. I was working PGA Tour Radio. That was my first year on the play-by-play team, mm-hmm. and I was there for that. And and uh, uh, President Trump at the time, uh, who, you know, obviously he wasn't president. He was about to run. He uh, he put one of his divers in that pond <laughs> to retrieve the golf club for Rory. I remember that. And, you know, I've broken a club once in my life. Uh, I felt so embarrassed for doing it after the fact. I've never done it again. It's such a stupid thing to do. I love Rory. I love his honesty. I love how transparent he is. But his history with breaking, tossing, and et cetera, too much for me. I, I wish he'd quit it. And I hope he doesn't learn the hard way. Because I don't want to sound like an old man waving his finger at a bunch of kids right now. But I tell you, I have seen people hurt themselves accidentally breaking clubs. And it is not pretty when you cut something you're not intending to cut with a broken shaft, etc. Not advisable. I like the soft helicopter toss to an open part of the golf course. That is my new old man uh, frustration move. Okay, okay. I like that. Actually, when... Uh, when my dad plays uh, and starts to get, starts to lose it a little bit, he, he, he just starts to whistle. So I, I think everyone should start whistling <laughs> instead of uh, right. like clubs. The uh, anyway, my, my what this week. So Jordan Spieth has his father on the bag caddying this week. His usual looper, Michael Grellers, with his family after the death of his mother. But after Spieth's opening round, he was asked by the media how dad did on the bag as a caddy after his first round. Let's hear the audio. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> it's funny. Um, he he did the old no no on our like fourth hole today on thirteen. I I'm stepping into the ball. He goes, just don't overdo it. And I'm like, I, I step back, step back in. I'm like, Dad, you know, there's only really like one or two things you you just can't do, and that's just just don't say not to hit it somewhere while I'm stepping into the shot. And he goes, well, you know, you you did it on number eleven, so I didn't want you to do it on thirteen. I'm like, and uh, I didn't overdo it. That's awesome. From from a guy like Jordan Spieth, too, who has, you know, he took, what, 20 seconds over the golf ball on the first tee shot at the U.S. Open with a trillion thoughts in his mind. It looks like his game is turning a corner now, which is awesome, with Augusta just a few weeks away. He could maybe be a dark horse pick to slide in there, given his history at Augusta National. But uh, you guys know the old secret. If you're playing against someone and maybe getting their head a bit, say, you know, there's OB left here, the water's on the right, and Spieth's father and caddy for the the week was almost doing that to his son. That's some pretty funny stuff. Yeah, they say that's one of the the, the key differences in in the game's best players and the rest of us. They don't get up on the tee and they're 
their eye and their mind doesn't say don't hit it there. Their mind's eye and their thoughts say hit it there. (laughs) So just the language and the way you look at it. And and, uh, Adam, going back to your uh, winner with Joel Damon saying, if anybody saw me right now, they wouldn't think I'm a professional golfer. Bob, you know, that reminds me of one of my favorite Hogan quotes. Hogan said, if he didn't hit golf balls one day, he noticed it. If he didn't hit golf balls for two days, his caddy noticed it. And if he didn't hit golf balls for three days, everybody noticed it. So Joel Damon, <laughs> if that's Hogan, what you know, Joel Damon shouldn't be so hard on himself. So <laughs> Exactly. This segment of GTC presented by SmartGolfDeals.com was brought to you by the Muskoka Bay Club and Resort. Live, stay, and play. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by SmartGolfDeals.com, the smartest way to shop for golf. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf, ready for sport. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino and Bob Weeks. Welcome back inside our best of edition of Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully here in studio. Well, we've spent the last two hours discussing some of our favorite moments from 2020, looking back at the Masters, the U.S. Open, some of our other favorite winners, weird and what, over the last month or so. But of the three male majors, which one was best? Which one was most entertaining? Which one had the most drama? Mark and I discussed on a recent show. Favorite major of the year, men's major. We had three of them. We don't have much to get into this, but I didn't think there was much to get into. I, f- I figured that you and I would have an answer why. Bob loved Augusta. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you go? Where? What was your – you have three to choose from, PGA, U.S. Open, Masters. What was your favorite men's open and why? Men's major. I mean, for me, for, uh, my favorite men's major this year was the PGA Championship, just in terms of how many guys were up there. We didn't know much about the golf course. There was sort of the intriguing fact of first men's male major since the pandemic pause as well. What would it be like without fans? Then the way it finished, the way Colin Morikawa hit that driver uh, on the par 4 16th hole, make the eagle putt. You know, Paul Casey was up there. Dustin Johnson was up there. Jason Day, Matt Wolf, so Kepka. many guys. Brooks Kepka until he imploded on Sunday. Bryson DeChambeau didn't have his A game. He finished T4. It was a great tournament. The U.S. Open for me, there was a lot of excitement heading into it. The drama was sort of out of it because Bryson DeChambeau, quite frankly, put on a clinic that week. Mm-hmm. And the Masters was awesome, too. But for me, I, I think the PGA Championship takes the cake. How about you? Oh, I'm glad I shrunk this segment and talked more about the distance debate because I ditto. Yeah, is all perfect. I got. Ditto. Yeah. You are a thousand percent right again, Adam. Yeah. Uh, I, the only thing I will add to this, as, as you know, obviously the PGA was my favorite as well for every reason you laid out. Mm-hmm. But the other kind of uh, point I'll put on this is, I mean... I haven't really thought about this at all. This is just right off the top of my head. But is there any doubt at all in anybody's mind that Colin Morikawa's drive on the 16th hole at uh, TPC Harding Park is the shot of the year? Top of mind? It has to, in terms of moment, in terms of historic nature. Yeah. And you wonder again, we've talked about this before, what would that have been like with fans? That's it. And then he makes the putt. Yeah. You know, to, to really drive that shot home and for someone who struggled with his putter earlier in the season as well mm-hmm. you know so off. like off the top of my head there is 
literally no other golf shot that comes to mind in shot of the year. Yeah. You know, obviously we can find situations where there's harder golf shots. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that makes a hole but in one I'm or talking about, but... yeah, hole in ones, albatrosses, etc. I'm I'm talking uh, situation, history, mm-hmm. pull it off, mm-hmm. make the putt, eagle. It's really an eagle on a par four to win it, your first major yeah. championship. It's the shot of the year. On the 70th hole of the tournament. Yeah. Shot of the year, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. That shot by Colin Morikawa, I tell you. Under the circumstances, 70th hole of a major championship to drive the green on a par four and then make the 8-10 to 10 foot putt for eagle en route to winning your first major championship just two holes later. What a shot by Colin Morikawa. This guy is a star already. Looking forward to seeing what he has in 2021. The PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, the Masters, all entertaining for all different reasons. It was a fun year to watch the male majors in 2021. 20. Well, on Golf Talk Canada, we're not going away. Keep in touch with our social media. You can follow us on Golf Talk Canada, Twitter, and Instagram. We'll continue to update you on all the latest news around the world of golf and keep posting some of our favorite moments throughout the year on GTC social media. And Golf Talk Canada Season 11 of GTC Radio, that's going to get underway early in 2021. We'll be playing some best of specials and of course our festivus special one of our favorite shows of the year looking forward to that well thanks so much for joining us this morning and we'll talk to you soon right here on golf talk canada this segment of gtc presented by smartgolfdeals.com was brought to you by adidas golf ready for sport thank you for listening to gtc don't forget to follow us on twitter and instagram at golf talk canada for show archives podcasts and all things gtc visit golftalkcanada.com and don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.